Hi, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. I'm sitting here sipping on some of our Pedro Moreno Honduran coffee, and it's tasting real nice. And I just wanted to bring you a couple updates before we get started on part two of the two-part series with Barista Magazine's Ken and Sarah. Um, well, really exciting one. Obviously, that Hondo is on the menu. Subscription holders, you're still getting that Alita, but if you want something different, email us, info at catandcloud.com. We've got a couple of special yum-yums for you. Um, also, people who are going to be at the SCAA Expo, look for Chris and I. And we'll be hosting, not hosting, we will be emceeing the AeroPress competition. Yes, 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 that's us. We'll be on a poster getting weird. Uh, you also see us maybe around Curtis, maybe around La Marzocco. Who knows? Maybe at the Kaya booth. Just, you know, keep your eyes open. Say hi to us. Uh, we'd love to chat, give you a high five. I don't know, whatever whatever people do. Um, anyways, we're going to jump back into part two here. And uh, again, anybody who has questions or anything, email us, info at catandcloud.com. Website's catandcloud.com. We're here for you. Buildouts in play. Trying to open this summer, that retail location. All right, just jump back in. So deep. That's you guys deep. must really I like Kurt Vonnegut. You know it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Geez, you have all his books up with the BMAG issues also. I'm just no, sitting Ken... in the library. There's a lot of Carl Sagan and oh. get and a ton of Star Trek. Oh, Ken... really? That's true. Ken uh, named one of our cats after a Vonnegut character. So, yes. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. My wife's best... This is my last tangent on this, Chris, and you can ask a real question. Uh, my, wife... <laughs> my wife's best friend played a roller derby, and her nickname was Hurt, H-U-R-T, Vonnegut. Nice. Hurt Vonnegut. Nice. Shout out, That's a shout good out one. to Nicole. Yeah, Juno, shout out if to you're Nicole. listening. Shout out to Roller Derby. Shout out to Roller Derby. I'm shout not out tough to enough Bugs. to do that. That's for sure. I would get bowled over in one of those matches. I can't even skate. That's another tangent. There's a woman who works in coffee in Portland who uh, she's in the Rose City Rollers, and her name is Napoleon Blown Apart. It's <laughs> a good one. That's pretty classic. Uh huh. I'm pretty sure Jared used to play some roller hockey. I was a blader. Blader. Nice. Nice. Blading hard. These are ice blades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I played. For what are you guys hours. looking forward to um, pushing forward? Obviously, you're always going to have that print component. You do the blog. You do all the social media channels. Do you see adding another channel of information? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, and when we turned 10 last year, all these people would say to us like, wow, that's so great. So what's next? What are you guys going to do next? Are you going to like go to a monthly? Are you going to add another publication? Are you going to, you know, do a book or something? And Ken and I talked about it and we're like, we just figured out how to do this. So um, <laughs> I think we're going to, we are really content with how things are. We've talked to a lot of people about like, you know, that in our community, like there are so many magazines, like don't, you know, don't go to a monthly and we don't want to go to a monthly. It would change everything for us. Um, we like doing six a year and that seems to be enough for the community. Um, we would just like to continue right now with what we're doing and just put all our efforts into making Barista Magazine as good as it can possibly be. So, oh, Ken wants to add. I would just say that, again, I feel like our readership, that our goal is to put out the very best magazine we can. 
that's that's what we focus on and social media has been amazing for us our online stuff has been terrific because you know we only do six issues a year and uh all those channels allow us to stay in contact with our readership between issues and and stay in, involved with this amazing world of coffee even if we don't have a new issue out but ultimately our goal each and every issue that we approach is how, what do we learn from our last issue? How can we improve it? What can we do to make the next issue even better? That's, that's what we've always strived to do. And that's where our focus is. So for when we talk about what we want to do in the future, we want to make the magazine even better or that's, that's how we get, that's how we operate. I, I kind of dig that because if you guys, first of all, I can, I already know how busy you guys are if you tried to do more, I feel like you'd have to hustle on such a level that there's something special about both of you. And that is your genuine desire to connect with human beings. And I think that's something that makes your publication special is that there's a connection to all the people that you deal with around the world. And I think if you try to do more, as far as content goes, you might sacrifice some of that, not only for yourselves, but for us, like, I had a really good time. Of course, a, a Portland Rip City basketball game is epic, but hanging out with Ken <laughs> as, as a buddy outside of all this coffee stuff. And sure, we talk coffee a little bit. We also talk about other things uh, like Star Wars. And it's like you maybe wouldn't have a lot of time to do things like that if you tried to up the ante too much. And I think there's something special about that. So I get that. I like that. Well, also, like you guys are here. This is we run Barista Magazine out of the second floor of our house, and we have our dogs and our cats with us. And I get to work with Ken, and like everything would change if we were to add another really big element. And we don't. We like this. Like this is it's a dream job it's a dream job and, and also like you know our readers are small business owners like small small i mean there are there are definitely like medium and macro sized companies that we serve not as much because our readers are independent cafe owners primarily but um but you know so we we can relate to our readers in a lot of ways because like we are decidedly non-corporate i guess <laughs> When you're when you have that kind of flexibility that you have, how do you decide what your focus is going to be for the next issue? Does that come from talks that you have with each other, or is it a mix of that plus reaching out to the community? You know, where does that come from? Um, that's a good question. Uh, Ken and I do brainstorm all the time and we usually plan the people for the cover feature fairly far in advance if we can. Um, and, but for the story content, like one thing that has changed my life over this last year is that I'm really, really utilizing our editorial advisory board. Um, these are, you know, people around the world who are working in coffee every day. Ken and I are in an office or we're traveling. And so we don't know and much to a lot of people's surprise, neither of us has ever been a barista. So we rely on the community to tell us what's going on and what's current and what's awesome and exciting. And we can like glean a lot of that from our travels and what we hear people talking about. But we really, really rely on those people. I think we've got 14 editorial advisory board members and I reach out to them on a monthly basis and ask them like, what should we be writing about? What's missing? What 
um, what is the product that you like can't stop using right now and why and and whatever information I can get from them. So that is a huge, huge part of it. And I'm very, very appreciative to those people for the time that they give us. I'm sitting next to Charles Jack. He's interested in asking a question. Ooh, What's question up, Charles? From the audience. Yes. <laughs> well, and kind of to that point, you guys are in a kind of a unique position, um, you know, talk to a lot of different people in the industry and see different perspectives. I'm just curious, kind of like, when you look at the industry and where it's going, like what are the, some of the things that you guys see happening now or, or how things have changed in the last, you know, six months, a year, like, like what are some of the kind of like the new trends that you guys see or that are kind of like interesting that are happening now? That is a good question. Um, so that those, if it's like just in six months, I guess, like, uh, I, I mean like larger themes that I'm seeing are, you know, huge focus on customer service above all else. Um, the, the idea of that snotty barista that, um, you know, that got gave baristas a bad name and was parodied all over the place. Like, I feel like that's in the better cafes that's gone away in a large part. Um, but like smaller trends right now, everybody's talking about coffee, beer, um, in Portland, people have been talking about that for a while, but it seems like it's catching on. Um, let's see, the processing experiment stuff that Ken was talking about, that's like, you know, it seems like there are a lot more companies that are releasing, um, you know, like a special box of like five different processes. Um, consolidation. Consolidation. Here, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, if you're talking specifically what you've seen in the last six months that's pretty uh big news is uh intelligentsia and stumptown being bought by pete's i mean that's that's big industry news and what that means to to me or how i see that is uh you know it's the continued evolution of the specialty coffee sector so Cold brew is a, was a huge thing. I, uh, clearly, it's going on now. Um, but you're, what happens or what you see uh, from our perspective is just a continued growth of the industry, continued uh, growth of specialty coffee cafes. Coffee shops continue to open. It's not like uh, because Intelligentsia was bought or whatever that now there's going there are a thousand intelligentsias and there's no room for independent operators which one of again one of the cool things about this community is it is the the section that we serve which admittedly is a tiny 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 percentage is mostly just other small businesses like ourselves and uh, people who are really typically very passionate about uh, coffee and doing it the best they can however they define that um, it's it's a rewarding industry to work in, and I just see uh, that it's going to continue to to be that way, provided we still have coffee. <laughs> That's a global warming joke. Ha ha ha! I get it. Ha, ha. <laughs> That's fun. That that would be a hot topic right now, right? That would be something that's been that's certainly coming up lately, that, right? It's yeah, that's certainly something you never hear in two thousand and five. That oh, by the way, there may not be a Rabica in the future. 
P.S. That could be a challenge. So, Dude, that's we gnarly. We actually have a really great story by Hannah Neuschwander from World Coffee Research in our next issue about coffee genetics and um, how the work that's being done to like strengthen the the strains right now for to um, alleviate some of the issues now and plan for what's still to come in the future. So, yeah, that's that's a huge one. Yeah, that's a terrifying one. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they don't integrate the T-virus. That was a Resident Evil joke. That- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. But that's another thing that's changed over the past 10 years is Resident like, bar- no, not Resident Evil, that people, that baristas <laughs> know what's going on in the coffee world, like in yep. a pretty intimate way. Um, and cafe owners do. And it's, it's that you're, there's a, a, this whole wide world that is a lot more accessible because of the internet, because like people are traveling to source more because producing countries Central and South America are getting so much easier to travel within um, as a coffee person. But yeah, so it's great to see how well informed our community is. And let's just keep doing that. Let's definitely keep doing that. Yeah. Keep doing it. (laughs) Keep it going. Keep it going. I'm having a chant right now. Are you there, Chris? You're there. Uh, I'm there. He's just reading Star Trek books. Yeah, I was in the zone. Me and Nimoy were going, going Seriously. ham. I was channeling him. Prime R&D. Directive. Great read. Prime Directive. <laughs> what is your Prime Directive? Ken, Ken, what's your drink when you go when you go to a shop? Are you an espresso guy? Are you a are you a pour over guy? Are you a frothy cappuccino? What are you? <laughs> frothy cappuccino. Frothy cappuccino. Hey, Jer. Yeah, Chris. Can you hear me? I'm going to I'm going to call my wife right now. My she, wife. She for like 30 seconds. So I'm going to jump back in, but she says I can't the car believe you don't want to hear this answer. She says the car is about to blow up. She texts me. I don't know what that means. Oh. Yep. How'd kids? So, how'd your wife? Yeah. We ain't got yeah. time for that. <laughs> I'll be listening. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, nobody wants a car to blow up. All right, Ken, frothy cappuccino yes. or or Typically... smoke a frappuccino? Orange. Oh my God, is that available? Did it a jitterbug? <laughs> so, did you see Zoolander too? I'm so disappointed. Anyway, uh, if I'm going to a cafe, I'll probably have an espresso-based drink, just because I don't make espresso at home, and so that's. Uh, but as far as a cap or a latte, I probably I pro- I'm not typically interested in drinking that much milk. Um, so I like a straight espresso. I also like to ask the barista what they would, uh, what they're recommending that day. If there's something that tastes really good. I like to like to try whatever I can. Sarah Bear. So I don't know if that's a great answer, but it's my answer. That's your answer. That's good city. Own it. Um, uh, okay. So, in Portland and in a lot of other places, they like cafes are going crazy with signature drinks, which is awesome. And especially this summer, there were some amazing ones like at Good Coffee, at Barista, at Dapper and Wise. Um, so I was loving trying all of those. When we like we meet up with our art director um, at cafes, and 
when we do that, I will usually have, and th those times are, we're finding a cafe that's open like late, so not necessarily like the best cafe because cafes close really early in Portland. So um, I'll have an espresso. I'll have a cold brew if they're um, if they're making it themselves, like not as much a bottled cold brew. Um, and I really love filter coffee, like Me what too. they're making that day. I just love it. I'm, I get Even though we make it at home, but I, yeah. No, I'm the I same way. Brewing it at home has become more and more of a ritual of mine, and I love it as well. But tasting everybody's filter coffee, I think, is it's an interesting telltale on brewing and philosophy and all that, all just what they like. I get into their mouths and what their mouths like. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys have been around competition game for a long time. You've seen it progress. You've seen it change. Mm -hmm. I mean, for people there's a lot of people who listen to our to our podcast who actually don't know a ton about coffee and they don't know about competition it's really cool for us to be able to answer questions but kind of kind of tell them how it's progressed since you know back in the day we talk about it every so often but also you know they give them give them like the reasons why competition is awesome give them something give them your perspective on how it's changed because you don't you don't have to invest personally like anything with the exception of collecting information right you're not you're not necessarily like in there with all the stress that maybe myself or Chris carry when we try to compete, you know, like what's that perspective like? Just talk about that. There's so much there. I could just pigeon tail. Um, so I was just at the qualifier event in Kansas city and, um, and that was so industry people who are listening might know that the regional barista competitions were canceled this year and there's outcry and, you know, riots in the street from the barista community about that because everybody loved the regional events because they're grassroots and um, community oriented and just really great places for people to gather and be together. So um, it was interesting to see that the thing they were given in, instead, this qualifying event, which basically was one giant regional for the country, um, was just as successful as other regionals. It just brings people together. So that's like what I love the most about competition. One thing I don't like about competition is that I can't talk to people. Like when you guys are competing, you're so stressed out. I want to stay out of your way. I want to, you're going to try and be polite and be like, hi, I got to go wash my dishes or polish my spoons or whatever. Um, so, but watching barista competitions, I unfailingly cry at the end because there, someone's dreams are like something that people work so hard on and the way that competitions are these days is like it's it's bananas how how intense it is and how hard people work and um how you know people are taking six months off of their job to just train nonstop in a lab somewhere um but it's getting to a level that you kind of have to bring some sort of a game like that to the table. They did live scoring this year, right? Yeah, but it didn't really work. I mean, it's like, Bummer. it wasn't live. It would be like every half hour, someone would go load in the scores that happened the hour before. Anyway. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite there. And it took away from the excitement of the awards ceremony, honestly. I mean, it was anticlimactic. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just think like people have said that they think live scoring will maybe draw in like Joe public 
to watch barista competitions, I don't think that's what's going to do it. I think it's really hard for Joe Public to watch a barista competition um, unless they're following like one specific person. Do you have any ideas? I'd love to hear some of your perspectives on how to draw in Joe Pro, Joe Bro. Joe, Joe Pro is in the building. How's the car? It's fine. Nah, classic. Well, it's not, to- it's not totally fine, actually, but it's fine enough for now. That's good. <laughs> Sarah, she's going to make it home. How, um, how do we? Yeah, how do we bring in the public? Because I mean, that, well, Chris and I struggle with that. We want, we want this to be interesting to somebody who could just walk in there and have no idea what what's what's going on in some way, shape, or form. Well, that's a real challenge, and I don't know that we know the answer because we don't. To be honest, to be honest, uh, we don't deal with the general public. You know, Barista Magazine is not a magazine for the general public. It's for cafe owners and baristas and people who are already enthusiastic and interested in coffee. Part of our disappointment in ending uh, the decision that was made to end the regionals, however, is you are therefore there are fewer option opportunities for the public to ever get to see a barista competition. There are fewer opportunities for the public to ever go to a cafe and see a plaque on the wall that says, you know, fifth place finisher, Western Regional, or, you know, and and to, for them to go, wait, there's a competition? And then the barista can say, yeah, they're fantastic, and I did this, and, you know, you have a chance to start talking to your customer over the competition. And then maybe the next time there's a regional in that area, that person might drop in, especially as Sarah pointed out, if they know that a barista that they personally know is going to be competing. But it is, you know, in the abstract, it's a fairly esoteric thing to expect a general consumer to have any interest in. So having fewer opportunities for them to ever get to see it means it's even less likely that they are going to find it interesting or have the opportunity to see it. Yeah, I would, and I'm oh. kind of hopping in here. I think I think a cool idea would be if kind of the cafes and roasting companies and and kind of brought members of the public who were like customers at their shop. You know, I think it's kind of on all the people who are involved in the event, you know, to try to expand the outreach of it and you know, something like that where you, you know, you've got kind of like your regular customers and get them kind of interested in it. And if, if some of them wanted to go see it, like some way, you know, to get them involved, at least in the kind of like the local area where the competition's being held, like, I think that would be a cool, you know, kind of put it on the cafe, put on the cafes to kind of try to bring some of their customers into the event would be cool. Well, that's what did happen a lot in the past, I feel like. Yeah. But that, that... Right. Charles makes such a good point, though, that like we all we all have responsibility in that. It's not like waiting for something to be done for you. Um, and I I mean, there are companies that still do in in-house competitions to see who will go on to represent the company at the qualifier or the USBC. And it would be awesome if those companies would open it up to their customers. And probably there are some that do. Um but and I also just wanted to say that um, it's just really hard to get people to go to a convention center if they don't have to be there. They're horrible places. They're giant rooms with no windows. And regionals brought people into like accessible, you know, spots in the community, which were awesome. 
Um, and then the last thing I'll say is at the WBC, I thought that they, in Seattle last year, I thought they did a really good job of like interacting with the audience and making it sort of a, a fun thing for people who are watching on the live stream, like in between competitors, it was interesting. They had a whole bunch of past champs and they've done this a few years, but I think it was really well executed in Seattle. Um, like they would have a member of the audience come up and taste the espresso of the competitor who just went and talk about it with past WBC champions. And it was just, that was very cool. Yeah, to me, a huge challenge with making barista competition and specifically more popular among the general public is that as as a spectator, which is what I've been all these times that I've seen a competition, you are precluded from actually tasting the coffee and that is the majority of the scoring. So it's, you know, oftentimes I'll be taking photos during a finals and, and uh, typically it's Johnny will ask me who I think is going to win. And I'm like, I have no idea. They, when you reach the level of skill that's on display, for example, at the WBC, those six finalists, they're all amazing baristas. They all know their coffee. They've all got tremendous skills, but if you don't ever taste any of it, it's really difficult to imagine what the scores are going to be and therefore who's going to win. There are other competitions, I think, that are more uh, audience-friendly, like the cup tasters competition, I think is a, is a fun one to watch. You get to see, you know, it's, it goes by really quickly. You get to see immediately what the, who's going to win. Uh, same with, uh, well, the world latte art championship format is a little different, but just having a latte art competition, it's super, you know, which we do, uh, you know, tomorrow or Friday, I'll be in New York for coffee fest and I'll be judging the, uh, latte art competition. And that one always draws a lot of uh, spectators because it's it's really easy for them to grasp what is happening. And they get to see two baristas pouring side by side and two uh, two cups set down next to each other, at, you know, on the video board. And they can see, oh, I think the one on the left is going to win, or I think the one on the right is going to win. And then, you know, it's very quick to to find out. And I think those those types of things are easier for uh, just a novice or general public person to to sort of grasp and and get from the audience more maybe than a barista competition. So you're judging latte art. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Sarah I judge the are one of the judges at every coffee fest uh, latte art championship. So which... help help me out here cuz Chris and I actually latte art competitions. Okay, so are there some general rules to those? Cuz basically Chris and I will sometimes either be at latte art throwdowns or this that and the other. And I'll send him a picture. He'll send me a picture and it'll be, you know, like, which one won? And he and I'll agree and he'll be like, that's what I thought, too. But it didn't. And we're like, what? How how does that work? OK, well, you have to like <laughs> latte art throwdowns. You have to take into account that the judges are probably, if not totally drunk, pretty tipsy. So there's love that. that. Yes. So latte art competitions are, or latte art throwdowns are like, you know, they're just like a big party and, and it's, it's more rushed at coffee fest. They, the latte art competition is run a little more formally. We have score sheets, the, the drinks are scored. Um, either you get the point or like, so, so there, there are five categories. One's aesthetic beauty, um, uh, symmetry, um, degree of difficulty, definition, and speed. And 
one you score it so that like which cup has better aesthetic beauty the one on the left does so that gets a point the other one gets zero so it's like you always have one has you know it's an odd number so one has as many as three and the other has two um and you've got three judges and so it's majority wins Got it. Um, and then we will like talk into the microphone and explain why we make the decisions we do but sometimes it's just really really hard um and also like sometimes it's it's so subjective it's like what i like i think looks that's the aesthetic beauty point it's what i like better in the cup um and so if i have a like a perfect a perfect tulip and a perfect heart i might be more drawn to the heart where ken might be more drawn to the tulip and that's just that's just personality is so, that your answer are you do you love a nice heart is that your favorite i part? really do love a nice heart <laughs> you know it needs oh to, like, man come back Ken, you a awesome. tulip guy? You're a monk's head guy. He's saying monk's head? I can't he said hear monk's him. Head. Can you hear him? Did you turn off your microphone? Sure it is. Oh, now I there can't. it is. Yeah, you there? Uh, I, I spoke for you. you, so you said monk's head, huh? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I I don't have a preference. I am, uh, but it, it's a lot of fun, and it's... I like it because I, that format works. I like the head to head aspect of it. That, and uh, I like the fact that even as a judge, there's at least one point that I don't have any say in, which is the speed point. So that takes, uh, sometimes it takes the decision right out of your hands, but uh, I don't have a preference for design. That's a good tiebreaker. It's fun to see them strategize too, because they'll be like, do I, because they have five minutes to pour the drink they want to submit. So do I submit my first drink so that I'm sure to get that speed point? Or do I like forego that speed point and really like work to get the drink that I am super, super happy with? So it, it's like things like that make it really exciting for the audience. And we just don't have that kind of interaction maybe it's partially because barista competitions are form like so formal. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you can't. I think it's kind of what Ken said. You know, the the real bulk of your points are in the taste, and nobody that's watching can really experience that. But if you pour a latte, everybody can experience it. They see it. It's visual beauty. They're like, oh, that's awesome. And mm -hmm. it's instant gratification. They get to find out who wins that round right away. It's it's pretty rad. I miss. I used to do those coffee fest things like way back when, and those were yeah, super fun. Yeah, you did. Fun. You won. I won. I was pumped on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I met Justin uh, Tysel in one of those things, and he had a crazy mohawk, and it was maybe like purple. I was like, "Who is this guy? He's really good." <laughs> but those were fun. I, I miss doing them. I I have a weird, different lookout on the on the latte art thing um, today, because I have a hard time doing evaluations when there's different pours going on, like heart versus tulip. Rosetta versus heart, whatever. So if I was going to engineer a competition, I would probably have to do everybody's, at least for that round or head to head, pouring in the same cup and doing the same type of design. That's yeah, I like you know? those. They're like the people are doing it with a wheel or a dice. dice? That you... Yeah, I like the dice. The dice are tight. I think that's cool. Yeah, I love the dice. I need to make, we should make some dice, Jer. 15-sided dice. <laughs> That's a lot can, of pours. Can I um, 
make a plug for this competition thing that I just that I'm that we're doing in Atlanta. Plug, plug it away. Thanks. Um, so we're doing a party with um, Stumptown and Rogue, and Rogue Brewery is a brewery in Oregon, and because they just collaborated on a cold brew IPA, and so the party is like the release of the bottled cold brew IPA. But what I'm in charge of for the party is a cold brew throwdown. And it's going to be the first international cold brew throwdown, and it's going to be the Thursday of SCAA week. And the cold brew throwdown format that was developed by a few of us um, a few months back for the first one that we did is so super fun. It's like everybody makes their own cold brew. Either you make it at home if you're doing immersion or you do it there, and you serve tastes of it to not only three judges who are like doing things super seriously, but you also serve it to anyone who's in attendance. So there are only like 15 competitors and everybody's making coffee at the same time and everybody gets a vote. So there's an audience choice winner too. So you make, they have to do two things. They have to make a plain cold brew and a cold brew sig bev. And it's just like a party atmosphere because people can stop and talk to the barista who's making it and talk about like, how the drink was made or what method of, you know, cold brew that they used or, and so it's going to be really fun. And I hope everyone comes and we're going to open registration for it in like a few days and I will have information about it on Barista Magazine's blog. Awesome. And when is it? Nice. Did you say already? Um, I think it's April 14th is the Thursday. Is it going to be at gonna... the same time as the TNT or is it a whole different thing? It's a different thing. I think I didn't. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. But there will be time to go to every party. As we know, we all have lots of commitments during SCAA. Party commitments, that is. Mostly for parties, yeah. Yes. Nothing too serious. All the yes. parties. Are you guys, yes, you parties. will have a booth there, correct? Yes, we will. Sweet. And do you have, will it be you two at the booth, or will you have a, a crazy cast of characters there as well? You know, we um, we stopped working our show booths, like, on just me and Ken a while ago because we have because we want to like be out and talking to people and stuff so we try to hire local baristas to come in and help us at our booth and that um that gives us time to like walk around and have meetings if we have to do that and watch competition and stuff like that um and it's also really cool for people to like come and talk to a barista who's like, yeah, I read barista magazine and this is why I like it or it works for me. And you know, stuff that like I can't say cause I'm not a barista. For anyone planning to go to Atlanta, do you know, can you give a shout out off the top of your head of a couple places where everybody should go get coffee in the surrounding area without feeling too guilty? Cause I don't know. No. Um, so I'm super excited to go to this place, the one that's hosting our party. It's called Chrome Yellow, and it is supposed to be totally amazing. Like, it's a mercantile as well as a cafe as well as a brew pub. So I want to check that out. I have always been a huge fan of Octane. I love them. Tony and Diane, who own it, are just amazing people. Um, counterculture accounts you know, abound throughout Atlanta. I think that you'd have to like, you wouldn't have to walk more than 10 feet before you'd run into a cafe that serves counterculture, which is awesome. Um, Batdorf and Bronson has a cafe, the, the Dancing Goats Cafe, which is supposed to be cool. Um, shout out to Caldy. Shout out to Caldy. Hold so, yeah. it down. 
Oh man, I'll I'll make a plug for ourselves too for SCAA. Yes. Um, we are putting together our schedule right now for our kind of booth appearances, if you will, and we're gonna post that on the website probably in the next couple of weeks. So if anybody listening is coming to Atlanta and wants to say hi or come get some coffee, we will let you know where to find it. Come brew coffee at our booth. Oh, you guys will have a whole brewing setup, everything. No, not at all. But <laughs> but if you like, sometimes um, like last year, Tim Wendelbo did it. He just like brewed a bunch of air pots and served them to people at our booth, and we love it when roasters want to do that with us. I have a weird idea for your booth that I will ask you after we talk, and maybe you'll say yes, and maybe you'll say no. It involves okay. partial nudity. It involves... oh, sweet. That's a lie, Jared. It involves full nudity. <laughs> it's a PG-13. the most popular booth in the whole place. Sounds Where like a Drake song. Jared Truby with no clues on him. <laughs> the blonde bombshell himself. <laughs> Ever been to California? Now you have. And then you now see me in the club. <laughs> oh, boy. It's getting crazy. Hey, you know what? We're, we're over an hour here, so we might wrap this thing up. Oh, sure. really? I mean, we can talk in real life, Ken. We're still friends. <laughs> Closing. Okay, I have to ask yeah. you this question, even though you maybe don't want to answer it, but I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Do you have a favorite cover that you've ever done? Obviously, you know all these people, and it's hard to pick faves, but I can go first. If you're even willing, okay, you lay it on me. What could it possibly be? My my favorite cover is uh, December 2005, January 2006, Jeremy oh. Tooker uh, ritual. That's my favorite cover ever, ever, not, ever, ever. Not Scott Lucy in a bathtub with his uh, Lomar Soko. Well, you know Lucy's always sexy with bubbles, Absolutely. but I think there was just something about that early era and what that whole thing you know, represented for me and, and took her. I don't know if I ever told him this, but he's like one of my hero guys in coffee and working with him was just super, super killer killer. So I always like that cover. And it's something about the, the red, like the red, I love red. Yeah. It's just, it's just intense. You know, it looks like an intense cover to me and I like it. It's your roots. It's your ritual roots all on that cover. It's, yeah. It's deep. It's deep. That's my favorite cover. Lucy's was cool. But the thing is, is I, I was one of those guys who was like, this is the best. And they're like, did you know that the, it was photoshopped? <laughs> and I was like, that's not allowed. <laughs> not cool anymore. I was like, I thought he really got an espresso machine in the bath. He did. So somebody lied to me. No, he really, really did. And he has like, you know, shouted that from the rooftops. He's like, we went to so much trouble to get that goddamn thing in the bathtub. It was for real. Then it turns out it can be my favorite. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just got up and looked at them all, and I really love, I don't have one favorite, but I really love the one of Zach Rye, um, ice fishing with an espresso cup on the end of his line. Oh, yeah, that one's fun. That's solid. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. I like, the ice I, like I like those out of place, like really, really weird covers, too. I, second favorite to the... Ritual one for me is gotta be Lem Butler. Oh yeah, with the turntable and yep. pulling shots, headphones. I, yeah, that's money for me right there. Yeah, that's a good money. one. That's a mix Lem master sort of page. Mix master page. Page. 
cover. Page? Cheers. Cheers. All right. This is this is great. Yeah, you're right, Jerry. We should wind wind this thing down. Man. <laughs> dude. It was so awesome to have you guys on. This was amazing. I this feel has like been so much fun. You've been both of you have been a part of our lives in coffee since the beginning of time, so it only makes sense that we would have you on the podcast. But really just from the bottom of like my heart and I know I speak for Jared too. You know, thank you so much for everything you've done, not just for us personally, because you've always been big supporters, but for the whole coffee community, because we feel like we know you really well. And I know that doesn't just end with us. Like you make connections with other baristas, the whole community at large. And I know everybody really appreciates what you do. So I'll speak on behalf of all the baristas today. Thanks a lot. You guys are crushing it. And we are so glad to have you here. It has been like so much fun to be doing this with you guys. And I am such a fan of your podcast. And I love that you're talking to people from all different walks of life on the podcast, um, different walks of coffee life. Um, and yeah, it's such an awesome industry that we're in. You know it. Thank you guys again. Yeah, thanks for having us uh, do this again sometime. I can't wait to see our stat lines for the show. I think we crushed it. Our stat it lines are going to be hot. <laughs> Rip City represent. Rip City. All right, guys, Rip. that does it for the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. Uh, it's probably a two-parter, so get ready to tune in and turn down for what? Hold on to your butts. See you out there. Thank <laughs> you.